welcome to the Prophecy Club. I know that you, you, I understand you want information, and I'm going to give you information. However, in this case, I think I would be doing you a disservice if I did not explain what we're about to do for the next several broadcasts. First of all, I'm about to explain four of what many people are going to say is some of our very best DVDs we've made over the last 26 years of making DVDs. Over 300 DVDs. These are some of the best. And we put them together in an amazing offer. Now, first the offer, then I'm going to explain the DVDs kind of in detail for just this one broadcast, okay? First of all, probably one of the most popular DVDs of all time, Exposing the Illuminati from Within. It's two discs. It was made by Bill Sneblin. We've been asking $45 for it for a long time, and it goes out of the door quite a bit. Then Illuminati Game or Blueprint for World Domination, I'll explain in a moment. Secrets of the Illuminati by Stan Monteith. Secrets of Solomon's Key by Michael Hoggard. That's five discs, four titles, valued at $105. (laughs) All of, all available today for an amazing only $35. A gift of $35 gets you four of, they're just amazing DVDs. I'll just, let me tell you about it. Okay, first one. Exposing the Illuminati from Within, a double DVD, probably is, I'm going to say it's one of our top three DVDs of all time. Goes crazy. People love it. Bill Snablin was a satanic and voodoo high priest a second-degree member of the Church of Satan, a New Age guru, an occultist, a channeler, a 90th-degree mason, a Knight Templar, and a member of the Illuminati. He shows from the inside how the conspiracy works, how it uses the Lodge and the highest echelons of power and technology from secret black project operations to form a world government. Then, in Secrets of the Illuminati, Dr. Stan Monteith spent 37 years researching the Illuminati and exposes the truth about the Federal Reserve, Rhodes Scholars, Jesuits, the Lucas Trust, Masons, Skull and Bones, Rosicrucians, the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderbergers, and much more. You will find out how the world really works. Then... (laughs) Then another amazing one, Illuminati Game or Blueprint for World Domination. Now, this was put out in October 2005, but it set the Internet on its ear. Here's what happened. In the early 1990s, the Secret Service attempted to stop the distribution of a simple deck of cards. Or was it simple? It was called Illuminati New World Order. One of the cards clearly portrays an airplane flying into the World Trade Centers. Another shows the explosion at the Pentagon. And this was discovered by our Stephen Dollins, one of our Prophecy Club speakers, whose wife still to this day continues to answer the phone at the Prophecy Club. Stephen discovered that these cards seem to contain the secrets of the future Illuminati plans concerning martial law, weapons confiscation, population reduction, controlled diseases re-released, financial collapse, worthless currency, the two events just prior to the Antichrist paralleling Bible prophecy. So when we put this DVD out, he was the first one to see that these pictures in this Illuminati New World Order card deck actually began to come true. 
And today there is an amazing following concerning this today. Get the original DVD that exposed it all. Then, in Secret of Solomon's Key Revealed, Michael Hoggard reveals the darkest, most diabolical Illuminati secrets in the world. Using scripture numerics, Bible typology, and the prophetic word of God, Michael reveals the Illuminati's darkest diabolical secrets. Topics are the main meaning behind the sacred design of Washington, D.C., how Freemasons use children to bring in the New World Order, and the hidden truth behind the Star of David. Five discs valued at $105. We used to offer it for about half price, but now <laughs> I make an amazing deal. Gift of $35 gets you all five discs, four titles. You go to prophecyclub.com. It's the Illuminati gift offer. The Illuminati gift offer at prophecyclub.com. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play snippets of these over the next several days. Today, we're going to start with the famous Exposing the Illuminati from Within by Bill Sniblin. Welcome to the Prophecy Club, where we provide information and resources with a prophetic warning message to win souls to Jesus and to call people to repentance. In August of 1995, we had Bill Sneblin come in. He had gray hair then, too, by the way. <laughs> and uh, he was our guest speaker, one of the early guest speakers. We've had now over 130 at the Prophecy Club. And uh, by the way, I didn't have gray hair then. Uh, pff, I don't know why that's coming out. But anyway, and uh, he made a videotape. Then it was two hours, correction, two, two-hour tapes, total four hours of, of information on exposing the Illuminati from within. And it has been one of the most popular videotapes out of the Prophecy Club's 12 years' existence, out of those 130 speakers, out of over 250 different titles, and to say when it's consistently been popular through the years with that much competition, that's good. And um, a couple of months ago, uh, someone suggested that we should have him back to retape it, to update it, and also to make it available now on DVD. And so that's why we're here today. So your topic today is Exposing the Illuminati from Within. Bill Sneblin was a satanic and voodoo high priest. He was a second-degree member of the Church of Satan, a New Age guru, an occultist, a channeler, a 90th-degree mason, a Knight Templar, and a member of the Illuminati. In this particular talk, he's going to show you how the conspiracy works and how it uses the Lodge and the highest echelons of power in our country and around the nation, and technology from secret black project operations to form a world government just like Daniel 7.23 and Revelation 13.7 to be specific. Will you help me welcome Bill Sneblin. <laughs> Glad to have you, Bill. Okay, yes. It is great to be here. Uh, and I was very excited when uh, Stan offered the opportunity for me to redo this because um, a lot of new stuff has come out, a lot of new uh, abilities to to produce things that weren't around. It's just amazing the technological things that have happened in the last decade. So uh, I'm real excited about it. Uh, from the introduction, uh, I'm sure a lot of you think, how could anybody be that messed up? that he would get involved in that many things in one lifetime. Because <laughs> at that point, I mean, I, I don't believe in reincarnation, amen? 
And so I was, you know, doing all this stuff before I got born again, obviously. I stopped doing it then. And uh, so to do all of these things, people say, well, first of all, what made you so, so evil? Yes, that's a good word for it, evil. Uh, and uh, actually, you know, I, I, I will try and share what I think the, the problem was. But I, I had very good parents. I had no excuses from that standpoint. I mean, I wasn't one of these poor kids that was beaten or locked in a closet or anything like that. I was, you know, very much a leave it to beaver kid growing up. In fact, that was my favorite TV show. Not that anything to do with it. But, uh, but a couple of things happened. And uh, the first one was essentially that I was out doing the trick-or-treat thing. And uh, back then, this is, this is, see, I was born in 1949, so we're talking like probably 1959, 1960. You never heard anything about Halloween being bad back then. Uh, I mean, especially I happen to have been born and raised Catholic, very devout Catholic. And, you know, some of you may not know this, the Catholic Church is actually what brought Halloween to America. Uh, so they saw nothing wrong with Halloween. Before, before the wave of Irish and German immigrants, and I can say this because I'm Irish and German, in part, uh, came over here, Halloween was illegal. Did you know that? Most, most of the 13 colonies and most of the early states, it was illegal. But there was no teaching on that. My parents didn't know anything about it, so they, they let me go out and do my little thing. And one year, I think it was about 11, 12 years old, I was out walking with my best buddy. It was a beautiful, starry October night. And they were walking down the street. And I just happened to look up in the sky, because I was sort of an astronomy buff even as a kid, and I saw, I just was frozen by what I saw, because instead of the sky being full of stars, instead it was like this black cavern, and it was covered with black leathery things from horizon to horizon. And it looked, the only thing I can describe it is what I've seen on TV, it's like being inside of a cave that's full of bats. You know, it's just like thousands of bats, except these things had little red eyes, which I don't think really bats have that feature. And they were staring down at me with these red eyes. And I could feel these eyes like going into my soul, just like burning their way into the very heart of my being. And I felt this thrill, this kind of unclean thrill go through me. I had no idea what it was. And I just sort of stopped, and I was transfixed by this. And I just stared there, and it was like, it was almost like I was impaled by those eyes. I couldn't move. And my friend had kept walking, and, and he stopped and noticed I was kind of, going like that, and he said, hey, Bill, what's going on? And I looked at him, and I looked back up at the sky, and the sky was back. There were the stars again. The spell, so to speak, was broken. But from that time on, I began to have a fascination for things outré, for things weird. I started, in fact, uh, believe it or not, by I think the age of 13, I was already involved with getting into UFOs, parapsychology, haunted houses, ESP, all of this stuff. And that's kind of remarkable for someone who is never allowed to see a horror movie, never allowed, I don't think I saw a science fiction movie until I was 14 or 15 years old. Because, of course, back then there wasn't much on TV, and my parents wouldn't let me go to those kind of things. So here I am, I'm getting into all this stuff. Why? And I got really obsessed with UFOs. Uh, I mean, I, I would read everything I get my hands on, which in those days was not an awful lot. I was a member of NICAP, which is the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, which is one of the earlier UFO organizations. And uh, in fact, when my parents would drive around the country on vacation, 
I'd have to arm wrestle my dad into stopping and visiting all these UFO sites, like oh, or a haunted house, a famous haunted house, or or some cemetery where the gravestone moved around, or some some bizarre thing. Or I mean, was I was addicted to to weirdness. Let's face it. So, you know, I think that can partially be traced back to that very thing, to the fact that I had, you know, my parents had unwittingly allowed me to walk out on a night which is considered by Satanists to be the devil's birthday and to be out there unprotected because it never occurred to my parents to pray for me before I went out the door on Halloween night. Uh, And I was out there unprotected. So then the next thing that happened is I, I even at that point, I, from the time I was a youngster, I wanted to be a Catholic priest. That was my avid desire. I mean, so bad that when I was a little kid, I would actually cut up my mother's bed sheets and color them to make them into vestments. So I had it bad. And so I went to Loris College, which was the, like the minor seminary college in Iowa uh, for you know, people who want to be a priest. Now, an interesting thing, you know, a, a funny thing happened on the way to the priesthood, as they say. What happened was there was a professor of theology, because, of course, if you're going to be a priest, you take theology courses. And there was a professor of theology, a layperson, layman, who nevertheless had a Ph.D., and he started telling us all how, first of all, got to understand this, the Catholic Church teaches that the priest is another Christ. In other words, when you go up on that altar and you, you, know, you hold up the host or you hold up the chalice and you say, for this is my body or for this is the blood of the new covenant, you know, etc., you are acting as Christ at that moment. You are literally Jesus Christ, quote-unquote, at that moment. And so, you know, he said, well, if you want to be like Christ, this professor told us, you have to do the kind of stuff Christ did, and that made sense, you know. And then he says, well, you know what Jesus did? He went out and studied under the gurus in India. He went to Egypt and studied under the Magi. He studied with the lamas in Tibet, and he told this story about how there's this monastery where we have all these scrolls that talk about this wise person that came to Tibet called Isa, and that Isa was actually Jesus. And so he said, if you want to be like Christ, if you want to be another Christ, then you have to learn these occult techniques. This is how Jesus turned water into wine. This is how Jesus healed people, walked on water, etc. So... You know, what did I know? I was like 18 or 19 years old. This guy was, you know, like had a Ph.D. and he was a highly respected professor. So I started going out and getting books on the occult, which were few and far between. I actually had to join an occult book of the month club in order to get them because in, in, anywhere in the town I was living in, in Dubuque, there was nothing. And I finally got a hold of a book on witchcraft, and it was by a lady named Sibyl Leake, and she was the first female witch to come out and actually teach that witchcraft is a religion. Um, that it isn't just, you know, like the Wizard of Oz, this green, ugly lady with warts, you know, who flies around her broomstick and goes, <laughs> like that. No, that witches are actually a religious group, just like Buddhists are, just like Jews are, just like whatever. And so that intrigued me because it looked like here's a religion that, that as part of its religious practice actually teaches you how to be psychic, how to do these things. And especially when I read in some witchcraft book that Jesus was a witch, that he had his coven of 12 apostles, because there's a coven of 13, that's the size of a witch coven. 
and that each of the apostles had a working partner who was a woman, and that Jesus, of course, had Mary Magdalene. Now, this I will. T- this is like 40 years ago, you know. So, you know, all this foo-foo about the Da Vinci Code or whatever. Well, that you know, we knew about this stuff 40 years ago. So, anyway, I decided I got to be a witch. I was about a sophomore in college at this point. I wrote to the king of the witches. I, I figured, hey, let's go right to the top, right? And um, so uh, he, his name was Alex Sanders, and he was a high-level witch in London. And he gave me the address of a nearby coven where I could go and be initiated because witchcraft is an initiatic religion. You have to go and have someone sort of, you know, kind of zap you to get into witchcraft. So this is an example of me when I was in college practicing witchcraft. Uh, Some people say I looked like Jerry Garcia, you know, but uh, I don't know if I think that's a compliment or not. Anyhow, as you can see, I was kind of the typical hippie witch uh, and... um, this is actually taken because I was also making movies at the time, and this was a portrait for the film I was directing. Uh, while in college, uh, I did all sorts of things, which I don't have time to go into, but, but I learned how to do transmediumship. I learned how to do even like occult exorcisms, things like that. So it was, it was a pretty wild ride. By the time I was, a, I think, a senior in college, I decided I didn't want to be a Catholic priest anymore. Big surprise. Uh, for one thing, uh, I'd been at, a, at the uh, St. Rose Priory at that time. It was a Dominican seminary in Dubuque. And, and the guy there was actually practicing the occult. The professors were doing ceremonial magic and thaumaturgy. In fact, how many of you have heard of Matthew Fox? Anybody? Guess not. Well, you're probably not up on apostate teachers. <laughs> Matthew Fox is a very popular writer among very liberal Catholics and Episcopalians and New Agers. And he's the one who coined the term creation spirituality. Uh, creation spirituality is the worship of the earth and the worship of sexuality. It's a kind of an academic word for, for witchcraft. Well, he was at this seminary at that time. He was a Dominican priest. About, I think, 10 or 12 years ago, he was kicked out of the Dominican order by the Roman church for being a, a heretic, but the Episcopalians took him in. So anyway, you know, I'll just let that drop and you can decide what you want about it. So I decided I couldn't, I didn't want to do the celibacy thing because I was reading all this stuff in witchcraft about how you have to have a man and a woman, male and female, yin and yang, goddess and god, you know, so I, I figured I didn't want to spend my life being celibate. And so I took a leave of absence when I graduated from college and instead became a music teacher, and uh, oddly enough, in a Catholic school. So here I was, a practicing witch, teaching music in a Catholic high school. And I had a pentagram around my neck, and you know, I wore it on top of my necktie and everything every day to work. And I taught the nuns how to do yoga and astrology, and I was giving you know tarot card readings at the church fairs to raise money for the school. And can't imagine why they ultimately fired me, can you? <laughs> anyway, they only fired me after I raised so much money for them, I don't know. Anyhow, along the way, while I was teaching there, I was, I was doing all this magic because I needed a working partner. I needed a priestess. And I ran into my wife. Uh, this is a picture taken of her at that time, Sharon. And I, I put some of these pictures in here because some people have claimed I really don't have a Sharon. I just made her up to make me look better, you know, because they say, well, she never comes with you. She never speaks, you know, whatever. And I say, here she is. This is Sharon. So, you know, now you know what she looks like. At this time, we already had a coven 
of six members. This was in 1972. Um, this is a picture of me drawing down the moon on Sharon. That's a, that's a ritual that's done where, where basically you believe the moon goddess comes down and possesses the high priestess of the coven, and then she speaks like an oracle to the, um, to the people, and it's done every full moon. Uh, this is our wedding. We were married in 1974 in a witch wedding. Uh, our wedding cake was a Vulcan Idic, for those of you that might have been into Star Trek at some point. That's the sacred symbol of the planet Vulcan. Uh, and we, of course, blurred out the faces of some of the people present because we didn't want to have them get mad at me. Uh, this is our wedding portrait. The guy in black there was the one of the major leading witches in Milwaukee. All of this actually was done in a park in Dubuque. Uh, you can see we're both kind of the quintessential flower children, you know, with flowers in our hair and green robes and all that kind of stuff. So that was, and then at that point, we went and um, went down and studied in Arkansas for a while under the Grand Master Druid of North America. And uh, he's the one that actually taught us a lot of the, a lot of the other things we needed to get into because he, he highly recommended that I should get involved with Freemasonry that I should get involved with um, Mormonism if I had an opportunity, that these were organizations that were full of occult Luciferian knowledge if one knew how to manipulate it. This is a post-wedding portrait of Sharon. I just put that in there because I'm so proud of my wife. It doesn't have anything to do with the occult, but I just think she's a cutie. Anyhow, still do. Uh, anyway, so this is, we moved to Milwaukee in 19, let's see, 1974 because there were 80 people there that wanted us to train them how to be witches. And so we went there, and partly because I couldn't get a job in Dubuque. It was a bad period in the economy. And um, so we had class after class after class where we were teaching people witchcraft. And we were the other, the ancillary stuff too, you know, astrology, tarot cards, mediumship, parapsychology, astral travel. And we just... You know, we were a virtually a little free university. We'd have a semester, and we'd have about 10 or 15 people. We'd train them, and then we'd run them through. And then we'd, we'd and they see, you can only have 13 members in a coven. And so we set up two or three different covens, and Sharon became a witch queen, which means someone who has a high priestess who has several covens under her. Uh, one of the people in the coven at that time happened to have a dad who was the junior warden of, of a Masonic Lodge in Heartland, Wisconsin. Now, a junior warden is like one of the top three officers in a Masonic, local Masonic body. And so I thought, well, this, this high-level druid, the grandmaster of all druids in North America, whose name, oddly enough, was Eli, he said, if I ever had an opportunity to join the Masons, do so. So I had said, well, can this guy get me into the Masons? And, and so he did. And you see there, that's my certificate for, if, I don't know how well you can see it, but um, all of these things are in my books if you want to see better documentation. On uh, March 24, 1977, I was finally raised to the sublime degree of a Master Mason, which is the, the top of the Blue Lodge degrees. Uh, subsequently, I went on and went through York Rite, went through Scottish Rite, and went through the Shrine. So basically, I did essentially everything one could do in Masonry and, and even some stuff that most people can't do in Masonry, as we'll see later. Along the way, now this might seem a radical change of direction, but a funny thing happened to me. 
I was, I had just been made a high priest of the Druidic order. I was a high priest of witchcraft. And we were down in Chicago visiting some friends at the Temple of the Pagan Way, which is another occult organization. Chicago is full of them. Anyway, we all got together, and, and guess what movie was playing at that time? Big, huge movie, The Exorcist. And so we thought, oh, this will be a kick. Let's go see the movie. And so three, and there were like three sets of high priest, high priestess witches. Three couples plus the guy who was the head of the Temple of the Pagan Way in Chicago. And we all sat in this theater, and we were all scared to death. I mean, it was so funny because this, this lady who was sitting next to me, who wasn't Sharon, she was like another high priestess, she grabbed my hand in this like death grip and wouldn't let it go for the whole movie. And I don't know if any of you have, have defiled your minds by seeing that film, but that is probably the evilest movie ever made. And it was so profoundly scary and evil, for reasons I don't have time to go into, that the, the fellow who we were staying with down there, who happened to be an epileptic, he actually had a grand mal seizure that night. It was so, it had hit his nervous system that, that, that violently. And it kind of scared me, and I thought, well, gee, maybe I should do something with this Catholic thing. I'd kind of put the whole Catholic scene aside. Well, as it happens, uh, I, I heard through a friend of mine who ran an occult bookstore that, that there was an old Roman Catholic church in town. Now, probably none of you even heard of the old Roman Catholic church. But what it is, it's a branch of the, uh, of the church of Utrecht in Holland, I'm going to interrupt right there and encourage you to get these five discs, four titles, valued at $105 for a gift of just $35. The topics are Exposing the Illuminati from Within, one of the most famous by Bill Snevelin. Illuminati, Game or Blueprint for World Domination that Set the Internet Afire. Secrets of the Illuminati by Dr. Stan Monteith. And Secrets of Solomon's Key by Michael Hoggard. Five discs, four of the best DVDs we made over 26 years at the Prophecy Club, valued at $105, available at prophecyclub.com for $35. It's the Illuminati gift offer, gift of $35 at prophecyclub.com, prophecyclub.com. You can also watch it instantly at watchprophecyclub.com. October 4, 5, and 6, it's the Understanding End Times Conference, Living Word Fellowship, Evansville, Indiana. Friday evening, 6.30, I'll speak on my seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials chart. Saturday morning, 10 a.m., I'll speak on my feast and revelation prophecies chart. Saturday evening, 5 p.m., Leslie will speak on the Kundalini Spirit. Sunday morning at 10 a.m., I'll take half the time with Miss the Mark, my new book, and Leslie will take the rest of it. As you know, I'm called to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. I want you to come so I can lay hands on you and anoint you for you to receive two anointings. The spirit of revelation as I received it when I memorized the book of Revelation. Two, to work in sevenfold miracles when the judgment arrives. The room only holds 350 people, and the church is probably going to take from 100 to 150 of them, so it will fill quickly. I suggest you do the $25 registration quickly at endtimesconference.com. $25 registration at endtimesconference.com, October 4, 5, and 6, Understanding End Times Conference, Living Word Fellowship, Evansville, Indiana. See you there! In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. God showed me a single word, first fruits, 
is a secret door found in Revelation and Leviticus. When linked together, the end-time events can be placed in chronological order. For the first time, we can know what feast Jesus returns on, the feast for the judgment seat of Christ on the great white throne, and the feast upon which the wheat is resurrected, and on the day the new Jerusalem comes down to earth. And even though I've been in Bible prophecy for 40 years, I freely admit to you that I knew nothing that is revealed in this book supernaturally. So you probably know nothing that is in this book. One prophetic word said, There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open unto you. It will turn many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Don't get one for $20. Instead, get five for 30 or 10 for 55 Or a new case price, 60 books for $250. That's 60 books in a case for $250. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy at prophecyclub.com. You can now watch 160 Prophecy Club recordings and soon over 300 without interruption. Most people would agree 300 titles, normally $30 each. A gift of $100 a month would be reasonable. $50 a pretty good deal, but the introductory rate for a limited time is just $20 recurring monthly subscription. A one-year subscription is a gift of $200. There's no contract. You can cancel any time you want to, and you get the first three days free just to check it out. The best deal is a yearly subscription that will lock in your rate for a year even when we raise the rates. WatchProphecyClub.com. Go check it out. WatchProphecyClub.com. 